0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.
1: This episode of All Possibilities is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. The daughter of a Korean Presbyterian minister, a stand-up comedian, and a Hebrew teacher walk into a bar. What's the punchline? They're the same person. Meet Esther Goodhart. She's won many comedy awards, rebelled against her Korean parents and converted to Judaism, and has had numerous medical challenges that she's overcome with fortitude and her spiritual and religious beliefs. You'll hear about how you can overcome your own challenges, whether physical or mental, with comedy and love, how to deal with tiger parents, plus, You'll hear an intuitive reading that we dug into together that led to a better understanding of death and life. Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Esther, it is such an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here.
0: Oh, f- thank you. It's my
1: pleasure. <laughs> so what's interesting about this is that I don't really know anything about you other than kind of, uh, you know, our my producer came in and just gave me a brief intro about who you are um as as you may know i do all my intuitive readings beforehand so before we go into that what i love to do is learn more about who you are and uh and let's start off with from what i know from that brief intro you're you have a korean and jewish background with different kind of faiths in the mix tell me not about not
0: really I'm 100% Korean. Mm-hmm. Both parents are 100% Korean. Okay. Both parents were 100% Holy Roller Christian, mm. uh, Presbyterian Christians. I decided to rebel and be disobedient and uh, switch to the other side, the least popular side. I became Jewish, which made me go to the, as, as far as my father was concerned, the evil side. Because you know you don't do that. You don't, um, you know, in the Asian tradition, you don't rebel against your parents. If a parent said, "This is what you're going to do," "This is what you're going to do," it's the same as when I wanted to choose a major Mm -hmm. in college. He said, "Sure, choose anything you want, as long as I say this is what you're going to." Yeah, choose anything. But he was always the one in charge. He was always the one in control, and he was not in control when I decided to marry a nice Jewish boy. And then when I had children, I decided that I was going to raise them Jewishly. We were going to have a Jewish house. But at the same time, uh, when I had my two boys, uh, my father insisted that he baptize them. So I said, okay, didn't bother me. This is what made my Korean side happy. Okay. And my Father would say in front of the entire congregation, esta, do you promise? Oh, esta and the Allah. Do you promise to raise a this child in the Jesus Christ our Lord? And we both looked at each other and said, yeah, okay, why not? Okay, okay. (laughs) You know, we weren't going (laughs) to. You said yes under that? (laughs) Whatever. Listen, (laughs) Jesus is a nice Jewish boy. What what is he going to say, right? True, true. So, but it made everybody happy. And so if it made him happy, why not? At the same time, uh when later on I decided to become a bat mitzvah. I did all the Jewish studies, I could read Torah, do the chant, uh I could do everything um because I studied so much. And my father was so upset that I was having a bar mitzvah, he told the family, do not go to the Estas. Matzah ball, because if you go, you will be dead to me. So no Korean came, but that's okay. But when Jacob and Isaac, my two children, became bar mitzvah, he he came for that. You see, because the deal is, it's one thing for me, his child marrying into the Jewish faith. But it was another thing if I became, if I bought into the liturgy and I, I really believed in the faith. That's what he didn't like. Because I married into Alan's family. And because I had sons, if they decided to be part of Alan's faith, that was fine. Unfortunately, Alan is not religious at all. He's kind of Jewish. (laughs) He knows that he's of the Jewish faith, but he's not even a cafeteria Jew. Okay, I choose this. I don't like that. No, no religion. So I became really fully involved in the Jewish religion so that I teach everybody on the planet. Um, I'm in every temple. If a kid has an emergency, I'm always there. I could bring him from nothing to a thousand miles per hour and read his Torah portion Chant the Torah portion and his Haftarah, and he better do it because um, there's no crap. It's a very tiger parent way of teaching Hebrew. Because if the parent—I uh, would say the parent—listen— um. Billy here is going to have to come at least twice a week because he only has three months and uh, there's no parties, really no television. You really got to commit to studying. If the mother says to Billy, Billy, do you want to come to Esther's house twice a week and learn? I say, take your money and goodbye. Because if the mother isn't going to commit to the study, you're going to be best friends with your kid. I can't teach the kid. It's that simple. And I don't know one Asian parent that would ever say that. Because I know in the Korean community it would be, you study, that's all. I say you study and you, stu- and you get the A and you get the PhD. You become medical doctor because MD stands for must-do. BA stands for barely able to You just do. Say yes. That's my entire life. <laughs> oh, I love it. And then I always say, oh, I'm never going to, I'm never going to act like my parents. And almost when my kids were growing up, it's like almost every day, my mother would come out of my mouth and I can't get her back in. It's like, this is, that's the curse. So you hear know what they say? You know, in the Jewish tradition, they say, you know, when you torture your parents, they always say, may your children do to you what you're doing to me. And we'd laugh. That's so stupid. And uh, now that I have children, that's exactly what's happening because <laughs> oh, wow. they're disobedient and they don't listen as well. But all right, whatever. I'm curious. So you grew up in the Christian faith. What
1: did you believe it? Like, did you what was it that that right. made you so, when you said your husband wasn't religious? What what was it that made you that made kind me of acclimate convert? to? Yeah. No, no, OK.
0: Um My father, the minister, was so strict, he raised all four of us girls like veal in a box. We had no freedom, no nothing, couldn't sleep over anybody's house, couldn't do anything. We had to play the piano, uh, concert style. If it wasn't good enough for Carnegie Hall, which I played at, okay, I had to play at Carnegie Hall. And I got my scholarship money. College scholarship money because uh, there was competition there. The Plaza Hotel, the Waldorf Astoria, the Pierre Hotel. There was always these competitions where I had to make, oh, oh, but it was worse than that. Uh, I, uh, the best I ever came in, I never won first prize. I uh, Like I would get second prize. And my father was horrified, horrified that I got second prize. I go, but dad, second is really good. No, second the prize mean you are the first loser. <gasps> Second the prize means loser. And I would have to hear that, and everybody would clap for me, and it was great. No, not my parents. But that is the drive that propels me to do better. That's the drive. So, you know, I was born with a disability. And if my parents didn't torture me, And not give me canes and a wheelchair. It wouldn't have propelled me to walk on my own. I needed that push. And my parents, one would say, are evil. And I would say, yeah. But it made me do the things that other people would say was impossible. So I was in a wheelchair all my life because I have a disability. And my parents were humiliated that I was in a wheelchair. And, you know, they would say, just shake it off. Walk. You Why you shame me? Why you do this? And because they were they so... they blamed abs- it on you. Oh, they no. they would say, you are the curse from the God. Gee, just a curse of me because of you. I mean, I would have to... It was like Carrie in my house, the movie Carrie. That is traumatic. <laughs> <gasps> oh, my God. Well, clearly you're not that Asian. Because oh. that is the thing that, you know, I, 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 I had to hear that all my life. And you know what? When I walked in, I looked pretty damn good, didn't I? hmm But when you see me in the mall, I can't do the mall without a wheelchair. So people who see me most days are horrified when they see me in a wheelchair. And they go, what happened? And I would answer, oh, nothing. I'm just lazy. Quite <sighs> okay, frankly, I get a lot more shopping done that way because I'm on wheels. <laughs> but it, it is, I can't do it. It's too difficult for me to do a whole mall that way. But I noticed that because of my disability, I'm the favorite person at Disneyland. Oh, yes. Because... (laughs) Out of line. Well, you know, there are people who cheat and lie, and they're not really that disabled. So the Mm. disabled line is longer than the regular line. (laughs) So what I say is, and I'm proud that I thought of it, I would go to the gate before you go in. I go, listen, in my most pitiful voice, I'm handicapped. I'm a burden, but I can't burden my family. Can you just mention my name to the gate so I could go through? I'm not going to make the day. And they were dead. Okay. That's it. Because we're in and out. And quite frankly, my entire life is not burdening anybody with my burden. So if I have a disability... And I will do everything possible, not for people to look. And it may be because I'm too proud. I don't want to, you know, I'm too embarrassed. And uh, But then I realized I should release and receive, meaning release all the embarrassment and all that crap and receive the love that people want to give me. You know, I keep forgetting that, that people are very willing to help. Sometimes I forget because I was I was raised to be very independent. Don't need anything. Give to everybody. do everything for everyone. Don't accept or expect anything back. That pissed me off. Uh, I'm willing to do a lot, but I want payment. and if that payment is simply thank you, that's what I want. I don't want money. I don't you don't have to give me love. Maybe a little respect, but thank you is something a lot of people feel, oh, this is a service or you have to help me. I don't It just seems that people are very careless and selfish. That's what I see. But then I kind of figure, oh, God bless your heart. All right. Well, maybe one day you'll see. Maybe one day it'll pop in your head that I did something nice when you tell a story. And you'll send out into the universe good energy. And maybe you'll pay it forward and help somebody without thinking because I put a little light in your heart and head. Maybe that. So I guess it's okay. <laughs> but in the meanwhile, I you know, I'm really quite happy with my life. Life has been by far better than that. And I don't complain about the bad because i never complain about the good and there's so much of it i have a lot of good yeah. in my life and i recognize it so how did you how did you get from being in a wheelchair to walking what, what I had was kids. it what was it that in- kids. inspired you kids i could not be a mom in a wheelchair couldn't do it god forbid i thought the kid ran out into the street i'm in the freaking wheelchair so, I mean, I'm grateful for the wheelchair because it it gets me places. And at that, I have better than wheelchairs. I have wheelchairs, but I got the electric scooter better. <laughs> but I, I needed to be available for my kids. I needed to go where they had to go faster than they uh, – you know, it's kind of stupid. Um, I, I signed them up for baseball and all these sports and everything. And I I would be the one to throw the ball at them. (laughs) And it's so stupid because I don't say the baseball. And they need to catch it or not. But they pick up the ball and throw it at me. And if I didn't catch it, I would make them run and get the ball. (laughs) I'm not going to walk. I'm not bending. I don't see any diamonds on this floor. You pick up that ball. (laughs) So they got a lot of exercise. But and it's a wonder that my kids still wanted me to do that because I was involved. I they weren't. I don't know if they were learning anything in terms of athletic uh, knowledge, but they did learn to be really great kids who are very sweet, and they see that I was trying very very hard, and I really was. I just couldn't get the ball. I'm not going to walk any more than I have to. That's part of my disability, my disability familial dystonia that I can fall even standing up, which is why I need the wheelchair. And if I fall standing up, it's it's I break my ankles. Worse than if I'm walking, at least I'm propelling myself. I'm going someplace. You can slide a little bit. But if I fall because I'm standing up because my ankle would go under, that's part of the disability. It'll it'll flail and it'll seize whatever. And then if I fall straight down, it's like the Twin Towers. All my weight winds up on the ankle, and then I break it. Mm-hmm. So. Next question. What did
1: the doctors say? Did they think it was possible, or was this something that you— They
0: couldn't believe that I could get out of the wheelchair. Look, of all the blessings I've had, and there are many phenomenal things in my life, phenomenal, that people— ha- I did a a one-woman show on Broadway. I had a TV show, radio show. I'm an exhibition, an exhibit at the Smithsonian Museum. I've done stand-up everywhere and got paid. But the thing that was the most miraculous is I got out of the wheelchair. And one would think, that's enough. But I said, if I could do this, what else can I do? What did my mother say? How come your walk is so so ugly? No, No, she doesn't say this is a miracle. Every doctor, I'm in every medical journal. This is a miracle how she did this, uh, that my doctors would say, oh, my God, Hester, if you weren't disabled, you'd be the greatest athlete on the planet because they couldn't believe my power, the fortitude to get out of the wheelchair and walk and do it. But when my mother said, how come your walk is so ugly? That made me walk better so that you really don't see it. So what I'm doing is not walking. What I'm doing is dance. It's choreography. I've got to memorize the ground. The worst ground is like uh, sand or uh, grass because it's not even. I don't know if there's a hole. If there is a hole, my ankle will turn under and I'll fall and break something. But I've also learned how to fall so I don't break break a bone. I've learned to fall like a drunkard or a two-year-old, uh, which is just, there's no fear. So there's no tightening of muscle. So I can move on. I mean, my body might hurt because what I do is I, the my entire body absorbs the ground. So it's not focused on one thing and I don't break that bone, you see. So, but you know, what it is, I learned. I learned to do it because somebody was terrible to me. And I turned it around and I uh, channeled it so that it was energy for me to do great. Beautiful. I'm going to die better than God put me on this planet. So my feeling is, what can I do to make the world better when I go back? It has to be better. I'm going to leave it better in some way. And I think I do when I teach all these kids. I think I do when somebody's mean to me and I, I, bring, I go. I, uh, when somebody's mean to me, it goes back in love. I kill him with love. Uh, because I do know if somebody's mean and says something terrible, their life is misery. Because so, nobody who's happy is going to make you feel bad. Misery loves is company. So when somebody's mean to you, they're bullying, something horrible has happened in their life. So I've got to go, Ah, oh, bless your heart. Okay. It's like when. I was a young mother. You're going to find this out, too, because you're a brand new mom. Mm-hmm. Everybody has an opinion. You're doing it wrong. This is what you should do. Oh, not, I from know. From people who never had a kid, now know what to do for you. And my response was always, what a genius idea. I'm going to try it. Because everybody wants to be validated. And they're happy. And they leave me alone. Just go. Okay, you're a genius. You stupid idiot but you did right and thank you. I'll remember it. And you see, I used it for today. So we worked out nicely, didn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's now recording. You can set it out into the it's universe.
1: Excellent. It's excellent. I will I will take that into consideration <laughs> for both sets of parents.
0: <laughs> oh please.
1: Yeah. They can't help it. Yeah. Coming up, you'll hear from Esther about how exactly she gathered that fortitude to stand up. Welcome to hashtag Moms got This. Get your mom life fix four days a week. I'm Michelle Park. And I'm Stacey Eagle. Together, we chatted up with a new boss mom each week about her journey and why she's got this. Make sure to subscribe and show us some love on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever the best podcasts are found. And remember, Moms Got This. <laughs> All right, Esther. So... So you were in the wheelchair, and you do stand-up comedy, and you were inspired by your children, really, to, yeah. to get over this disability, even with, let's say, all the voices of your parents and family everywhere. So, so I want to set the stage for people, uh, even like myself, who, who have medical conditions, where the doctors say, sorry, there's nothing you can do about it, and live your life. Just do whatever it is that you can do. How how did you use your mental power to get to where you are today? Like walk us through what okay. that can
0: be like. So because I have a disability, I had five miscarriages before the two. So I thought this was God's way of saying, Esther, adopt a puppy. You should never be a parent. You're disabled. How are you going to do it? Okay. And so my doctor's. At the chutzpah dick to say to me, you should have a hysterectomy. You should never be a parent. And I said, okay. I didn't know. I thought, okay, they're the doctors. Maybe they know better than me. But every single time we planned for this hysterectomy where they were going to clean me out and make me neutral, something would happen where I didn't have it. I didn't have the hysterectomy. And I think part of it is... I don't I didn't sweat over it. And I'm really super religious. And I believe in God, and I believe in just um taking one step at a time even if it's in a wheelchair. But it is you know the sort of what's the word metaphorical what's the word I'm looking for the sort of not the literal steps but the idea of even if I'm in the wheelchair I don't have any wheelchairs in my soul, in my head. Nothing was going to stop me. So I said, when the doctor said, okay, you're going to have, we're going to give you hysterectomy, I said, okay. It didn't happen. I said, okay. And maybe this is God's way of saying, okay, you're not going to, okay. You're not going to have this. And then I had five miscarriages. And I said, okay. I didn't cry. I didn't go hysterical. And then I had two children. I said, okay, this is good. Everything is a story. Everything in my life is a chapter. And everything is like, wow, this is a great story. This is what's happening to me now. And I think everybody's story is biblical. I really do. Whether it's an easy life or a hard life. And I would dare say most people have very difficult lives and we have to struggle. Like Bible, every story is every story today. I and mean, I love the Koreans. They're just sitting back waiting for the rapture to happen. They read that book of Revelations. <laughs> okay. Jesus said, come, give a lots of money to the Israel and to sit back. Because, you know, you read the book of Revelations and then you read the newspaper and it's like the same. Yeah. Anyway, but I think my fortitude is that I'm religious and my fortitude is, uh, I would not say my father was the best father because he was really super tough when I needed more love, but he made me strong. But there are two things he gave me, my name, Esther, as in queen. But the other thing he gave me was the complete lack of fear of death. So my feeling is I actually live my life like tomorrow's the last day. And even if God says, Esther, I'm going to give you two more minutes to live, I'm going to live those two minutes in every great way possible. Uh, Nobody knows anything. I don't know anything. I'm not going to sweat it. I'm not going to sweat all that stuff of what could possibly. I used to. And I remember I had a boyfriend. I would worry about everything. And my boyfriend at that time in in college said, God, Esther, you know, you worry so much. I mean, it's like you're worrying that a piano is going to fall on your head. And when he said that, it sounded so stupid and ridiculous. I just said, yeah, you know, whatever. All right, whatever. Let's see what the next storyline in my life is. And everybody has a really entertaining storyline. Everything you see on television is not as or movies is not as great as the storyline that every individual has on their own. I'm telling you, when people tell me stories of their lives, it's fantastic, or, or it's either funny or sad, or I'm, I'm really interested in their stories. So um, if something bad happens to me, all right, this is, this is the situation what am i going to do to make it better it's always for me it's always how do i make things better if it's not good but if it's great i'm just going to ride that wave cuz it's great that's how i do that how did your father
1: teach you not to be afraid of death
0: i believe in god is being raised in a religious household so when I went to church, I believed in God. I believed, I my, believed in
1: God too, but still am somewhat afraid of dying. So, how do you? How, what was it? What was it like? A story that inspired you, or or you just feel like you? I'm disabled. You, you feel this, and knowing. so everybody
0: in my he, in my um, handicapped class was dying. They died on the table because of an operation. They died because of this disability. I have been and my father was a minister, so everybody was dying in church. Mm. You know people are old and but there seemed to be more a peace than a fear. Here's an example. I remember so clearly in, when I was in the third grade, the teacher read a story of the little match girl, mm. right mm-hmm. And so the story is this little match girl, what is she five, seven? selling her matches. She's all alone. Her mother died and it's winter time and she's trying to sell her matches and nobody's buying the matches. And so, and she's looking, everybody's celebrating the Christmas season and she's so cold. She started lighting the matches and each time she lit the match, she looked at the light and she could see her mother. And then she lit another match and she saw how much fun she had with her family And she lit another match and kept lighting the matches until they were gone. And ultimately, the story says she died. And she went to heaven and she saw her mother. So the teacher asked the class, so is this a sad story or a happy story? And I said, does this have a sad ending or a happy ending? And I said, it has a happy ending. And the teacher looked at me like I was insane. She goes, no, it's sad it's terribly sad esther and i didn't say anything because she was yelling at me and i know being korean shut up when the teacher is angry at you but my thought was she's in heaven but the point the plot was she went to heaven and she was with her mother and she's no longer cold she's no longer suffering she's with her family She's not where people looked at, didn't look at her. She was invisible. She wasn't wanting for anything. She loved her mother, and here she is. That, to me, was a happy ending. And that to me, is, ultimately, we can all choose to have happy endings, no matter. And the Bible is filled with story after story of crap happens to a group of people. What did the heroes do? They thought outside the box, and they made a happy ending. That's the stories, in and the here in 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 the Bible, or the Torah, or the Quran, which are stories of how people did not accept negative; they worked it out so things were good. And that's why we hear we are still reading the Bible. There's a reason why the Bible is the most. The number one book in everybody's household. And of course, every hotel. <laughs> I don't think if you go to a hotel, you're going to read the Bible because you're busy stupping somebody. <laughs> but you are, the, the point I'm making is because I believe in God, I don't have fear. To me, mm, life is one chapter and death is another chapter. And I don't believe it's the end. However, if I'm wrong and it is absolutely the end and it's one long sleep, I could use the rest. So it's fine. It, it's like I've had a good life here. I'm making life great now. Life is great The second, being with you. I'm doing something different. Uh, maybe tomorrow I'll buy a new pair of shoes and that is going to be something wonderful or I'm going to see my kids and it's going to be fun and that's great. You know, when I see friends, it's like a present. That's what it is. When people say to me, Esther, do you see the cup half full or half empty? I always say, I'm just grateful I got the cup and something is in it. Why does everything have to be so negative or positive? For me, it's usually just positive.
1: Coming up, you'll hear an intuitive reading that I'll share with Esther. Esther. Have a story or a comment you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at All Possible Show. You can also connect with me directly at my own website, BeingMyPurpose.com. Are you interested in getting your own intuitive reading? Are you wondering how you can align more with your purpose? I offer introductory sessions to my Discover Your Purpose readings and coaching. As part of the All Possibilities community, you get 10% off the intro session. You get a one-on-one phone call with me where I'll do an assessment of your life and give you an intuitive reading on the highest guidance for you at this time. You'll get actionable steps that you can get started on to create the life you want. Just use All Possibilities 2018 as the promo code. That's All Possibilities 2018 Visit beingmypurpose.com for more information on my services. All right, Esther. So I had done an intuitive reading for you beforehand, and all I had was your name and email address, and that was all I knew about you. So a little bit about how I work. I, ever since that kind of spiritual awakening point when I was in grad school, my strongest sense has been something called clear audience, which is clear hearing. I think it may be because of all the piano lessons or the you know, musical background that my parents uh, kind of gave me. I mean, it was really something now I look back on and think, wow, all those hours of practicing, maybe it kind of led to something. And, and so I can hear uh, very subtle thought forms And so when I channel, I write everything down. So I'm usually at my laptop and I'm typing and just full on sentences come out and they all come out in the form of metaphor. They come out in the form of stories um, full of visual imagery. And usually I don't really know what it means until I talk with the person. And so I channel these words and I might hear, okay, it's time for an image because an image is worth a thousand words. And so I'll close my eyes and see kind of like streaming video. I'll see a scene in front of me. I might feel emotion and all of it is to convey a message. And then I might get an action step. So this is something for you to reflect on, something for you to do. And um, really, I find that when we are in a present moment and taking an action that is in line with a different timeline that we want, whatever the future we want for ourselves, that sets us up for it. So for you, I received three paragraphs or so. And what will happen is I will read it verbatim to you. And as you listen, just allow your mind and heart to follow along with the imagery and your own intuitive mind will bubble up things, thoughts, um, feelings, emotions, you might think of uh, memories, whatever bubbles up, Um, just let it come. And after I finish, I will ask you, how does this resonate, if at all? And what does it bring up for you? So those thoughts, those memories, those feelings, ideas, whatever bubbles up. Any questions before I dive in? Not yet. Okay. Let me hear. I'm excited. Okay. Okay. So uh, a couple of other things. Um, There are some words that are in all caps, and so... Uh, That just means that those words are capitalized, Um, just they're more important, they're emphasized. And so my visual signal is I'll hold my fingers up like this. And for our audience, I will say all caps after that particular word. But I'll email this to you so that you can very clearly see which words are more emphasized. And everything is written in third person. So it refers to you as Esther, she, her, that kind of pronouns. And it might refer to me as you because I'm the one kind of seeing and and feeling all of this. Mm -hmm. For you, I asked, what is the highest guidance for her at this time? Which means, given everything going on in your life right now, what is the one thing I can share with you that can help you align with your soul and help you move forward in whatever way that may be? And so it says, it is about... A book. The pages are open flat on the table, and inside are beautiful images that reflect the soul. They are not photorealistic, they are more abstract in their representation, but they emote a feeling, all caps, a shift, all caps, in perspective and transformation. It is like looking at a cure and absorbing it that way as opposed to ingesting it. What trips her up is when she allows the superficial, the mundane, the small things that she sees, all caps, in her life to take over how she views the world. It is like everything she sees Can be a potential cure, all caps, or a potential trigger, all caps. For her, focus on the cure, all caps. Focus on a way to shift by seeing, all caps. It is then that she will feel as reliable and reassuring as turning the pages of a book. She knows what she will get there. And so the image that I saw is a continuation of this metaphor. It says, You saw this book lying on a table. Each page was large and featured an abstract illustration, full of colors, patterns, and vibrancy. You couldn't make sense of it because it seemed to keep changing and shifting ever so slightly but you knew it held the power to transform. Then you put your face closer to the page and like the Pensieve in Harry Potter, this is something, are you familiar with? Yeah, I read the, everyone. Okay, so You're familiar with the Pensieve. And like the Pensieve in Harry Potter, felt transformed to another world that existed, connected but separate. In this world lay transformation, mystery, and discovery. Each page she turned led her to another experience in another world, each as intriguing as the next. And so the action step is to reflect on her life and focus. Where is she focused on the superficial and mundane? When does she feel like she is transported to another world simply by SEEING, all caps? When she purposefully takes those steps, like turning pages of a book, and even creates it for others to experience, she feels like she is on an adventure every day. And so that's the end of the reading. I love to hear how it resonates and what it brings up for you. So thoughts, feelings, memories, whatever bubbles up for you.
0: Um this after you gave me that reading, I felt uh my master's degree was a huge waste of money because I didn't really quite get it. I there's too much metaphor. And with me, it's like uh Picasso. If I don't see the apple, it's not on this canvas. Mm. I can you like give me in baby terms what yeah. that means?
1: Yeah. What I got for you is so this notion of a book. And I know it this this can be very abstract, but what I felt was there's there's this transformation that occurs when you kind of look at your life in this abstract way and that specific transformation I saw like the Pensieve in Harry Potter where you put your face in the water and you see this whole other world on the other side of it Mm -hmm. that to me feels like something for you to explore like what what in your life right now allows you to transform in that way where you kind of put your face up to something and you see this completely different world outside of that And this world that is so full of mystery discovery there's like so much visual detail on the other side what does that what bubbles up for you
0: what are your what do i start thinking Mm -hmm. to me sort of reflects what I just said, which is my lack of fear of death. I'm not afraid of it, partly because we're all going to go there. And so, but for me, the other side is phenomenal. That's my belief. Even though there's a little part of me that says, well, if it doesn't happen, okay, whatever. It's like how I say now, if whatever I choose to fix a problem, if it doesn't work, okay, you know, think of something else. But the idea that there's something wonderful on another side for me is very hopeful and exciting. But I think that what I see in this world is fantastic as well. I think it's great, mostly. I don't like the political stuff that's going on now, but it's colorful, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, when I watch TV, and i always have a reaction to it uh this is this side of that other world i'm wondering what other people say oh thank god i'm not there anymore but uh all right that's what i feel that i my feeling is that there is another side and i don't worry about i don't worry about much here because i'm going to get to the other side that's what i thought mhm it
1: also talked about when like, it asked you to reflect on when you might focus on the superficial or mundane.
0: Okay. When you talk about superficial, are you talking about because I want to tattoo my eyebrows and I want to put on fake eyelashes that are attached to my eye? I mean, what is superficial? Like I like clothes and shoes. Whatever it
1: means for you. So this, the idea is that it helps you bubble up thoughts I don't know what
0: mundane is um what's I mean other than people who are boring Mm -hmm. and I've got to force myself not to yawn and look (laughs) enchanted that the delightful boring repartee we are it's usually a monologue what is mundane and what is superficial I'm not sure Mm -hmm. what do you mean by those two words what's the definition of that here I don't have a definition, but
1: i can I can tell you what I think of okay and it's it's the in my life, what is most this kind of world of um this other world, if you look at the the pensive and the Harry Potter like the other world that comes up that to me is the spiritual that's that's the the world of the unknown where you can ask questions and hopefully get some answers, but you won't make sense of it until you actually get there and experience it. And the superficial is everything, everything that's above that. It's like the day-to-day, the things that take our time but don't actually feel that important when you really look back on it. And so the image that I saw was when you focus on the superficial and mundane, just notice it because what's important is this whole world. That's to be discovered. Okay,
0: so, but then my feeling based on that is, is there really, is it, are things really mundane? Changing a baby's diaper may be mundane and and mind-numbing, but it isn't. Because now that my kids are 30 and 28, I wish I could change their diapers. Mm-hmm. I wish I could feed them a bottle. I wish I could make them, a peanut butter sandwich, and a brown paper bag to take to school. I wish I could make those notes. And a lot of mothers then hated doing it. It was a day-to-day, mundane thing. Superficial. I don't know. When I think of the word superficial, I think of uh, maybe people thinking that they're so beautiful, you know, with everything outside, not your soul. Mm -hmm. But... If you're thinking, if the vocabulary word, if the, if the definition of superficial is that you're beautiful, that's a, actually still a gift, I think. Because you're special in some different way. Like I'm special with my disability and my disability is gorgeous. Yeah. And some people might find that horrible. Like my parents found it horrible. They couldn't even look at me because of it. They thought that was superficial. Shake it off. You could do better than this. And then I tried to, and then I conquered, and I looked pretty good. Yeah. So I'm not sure if those words are negative. And I'm not even sure that when we get to the other world, there aren't a lot of annoying things there. (laughs) I once saw Twilight Zone. Some (laughs) evil, horrible, disgusting guy died. And to his shock... He's in a place with clouds and beautiful, angelic-like, uh, beautiful women with wings got everything he wanted he could have. But after a while, he got really bored and he couldn't stand it. And he said to the person who looked like um, St. Peter, you know, I'm bored here. I can't stand it. Can I go downstairs to hell? And the St. Peter character said, you are in hell. So my feeling is, look, you just go go with the flow. You just, you live your life. You see what the universe puts before you and you deal with it. Mm -hmm. And you try to deal with it by showing everybody love. And we need love now. There is no point no matter how miserable I feel or how angry I am. Although when I get angry, I'm funny. I don't want to bring people down because I'm angry. Mm -hmm. My extreme emotions make me funny. It makes people laugh. And then when they laugh, I laugh. And then it's not terrible anymore. And then I fight. Like, is anybody care 100? Nobody's going to care 100 years from now what happened in my life. Except this. I believe in life after death, for sure. But not because I got kids or I wrote books or I got TV shows. To me... Life after death is whatever flame is in my heart, I just gave to you. Now you got my flame, and you're gonna pass it on to everybody from now on. That to me is life after death. I did not get this way by myself. I get I am the way I am because somebody else inspired me. Mm-hmm. So that's another reason why I don't worry about dying. Yeah, because I'm trying to make um uh, I'm trying to make something of myself here. And if I if I impressed anybody, then that's good. Because somebody impressed me with themselves. Uh, my successes did not come from me alone. But I will say this. Love and the lack of love is the cause of everything. Mm-hmm. So I feel, and that is a um, Mr. Rogers quote, who when I was young... Uh, Ah, uh, I thought he was, eh, you know, kind of silly. But now, in my old age, I think he is a genius, <laughs> 'cause we need that simplicity of just love. Because if you got that love, people will pick it up, and they'll pay it forward with love. I believe. That's what I do all the time. If I feel bad, if I, I will buy something for somebody that I think they would like. And they don't even know why. They feel good and then I feel good. That's something superficial I bought, makeup, whatever, whatever, a bag, and they feel good. So I think I did something that's mundane and superficial and I made somebody feel good. I think the reading
1: talks a lot about your way of seeing and what you just described is exactly what it is. It's your way of seeing the world. The fact that you would even ask me, what what is superficial and mundane? Because nothing is superficial and mundane in your world. And I think that's, you're already aligned with who you are at a soul level when you're able to see the world that way. So, bravo, because it, it really, it's not something that people can access on a moment-to-moment basis, Given everything that's going on in their lives, mm-hmm. so I think that's that's very and that's very too much beautiful. Going on
0: so that they don't they don't see. I think this is my personal. I said in another show, there was a and I was hysterical. But how am I going to raise my kids? I'm overwhelmed. These two boys. How am I going to make sure that they're going to grow up to be good adults? And how are they going to do well in school? And blah blah blah. I created my own hurricane tornado. And I went to a birthday party of a woman who was 100 years old. She died at 105. And I asked her, Maria, how did you raise such great kids who were like 80 and 75? And she goes, oh, you just love them. That simple response was so powerful because I have every freaking book written about how to be a good parent. And it did not resonate with me at all. But this woman, this 100-year-old woman, well, at this birthday party, could say to me, with the greatest love for me, you just love them. That smile, (laughs) that way of saying, that's it. That's all you got to do. Oh, yeah, that's right. So the deal is if you make it simple, if you make your life simple with love, that's simple. That's easy. If I learn to fall and just don't tighten up and let it happen, don't be afraid of it, then then I don't hurt. It's like, you know, think of the simplest way to live your life and things will be great. You know, I validate everybody. You know what Donald Trump did, whether you like him or not, doesn't matter. He validated Kim Jong-un. So you've got two pudgy, fat, spoiled men with expensive, destructive toys. Kim Jong-un wants to be validated, and Trump did. Now, the person who's pissed off is President Moon because he started this route and now nobody cares. Oh, and now everybody's talking, oh, we should give him the Nobel Peace Prize. But the point is, right now, Oh, we're not so worried about that. We're in a feel-good situation with that. That, And there's a lot of other things that we have to uh, work out and help each other with. But that was a very simple thing of saying, one person saying to another, you know, I'm looking at you. I validate that you're here. Thank you. It was all the atrocities and everything. And that is, you know, I remember when I was young, the worst possible war was the Vietnam War. It was horrible. We saw it on TV every night while we ate dinner. How? We didn't vomit while we ate dinner. Watching the show is amazing to me. Now, Vietnam is a, is a honeymoon destination place. Mm-hmm. When did that? I mean, we were enemies with Europe, with, you know, um, Germany. Germany. We were enemies with the English in America. Life goes on, mm-hmm. and it is when we love each other that that is the power. I am telling you, it's the power. That's why I'm not afraid. Mm-hmm. I think maybe,
1: maybe, maybe that's what the cure is. It said to focus, focus on the cure. And focus on the way to shift by seeing.
0: Again, my master's degree has not... What does that mean? What do you think that means? So I can understand what that means. It's not clear to me. What am I focusing on? What... what when I speak of the cure, what, what do you think of? Is the cure love? For me, I think the cure for everything is love. It's such a simple but the most powerful thing. It's what I just said. Mm -hmm. Love and the lack of love is the root to everything. Good or bad? Good and bad. So I say choose good. Love. Love everybody. My worst enemies are now my closest friends because it's so easy for me to forgive. Because whatever that person did, and that person felt so justified, whatever, whatever, or it was mindless, it was careless, whatever. How much longer am I going to stay angry? Oh, for heaven's sake. When I go, nobody will feel the pain from that hurt. Nobody cares 100 years from now. And even if somebody lives right now, if I complain, this is what that person did. Do you think the other person listening is when I start care? I don't want to listen to your woe and pain. It's... That's maybe that word that most people—the definition of superficial. Who cares? So you take that and turn it around and make somebody happy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Out of from love. From love. Yeah, I think from
1: from hearing your stories and everything you've shared with us so far, the reading makes me think of this book is the Bible. And now what I
0: thought that book was, I got many, many <laughs> requests for me to write my book, which I was going to call the book of Esther. Because, <laughs> you know, Esther, which is all the same. So story, you got so many. You can story. look no, at my it. story. Mm-hmm. Write your book, Esther. We need to hear it because I have so many stories. Everybody says, why don't you put that on television? This is why I have so much. uh I'm never, I'm never lacking stories ever. You should see me at dinner. You're gonna want to come. I'm brilliant, and uh, and when I don't have a story, I call my mother. She tortures me. That phone call becomes a tax deduction because I have a new act. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I think I'm that just... there's, I think they're one and the same.
1: Like you, you had drawn so much from the stories, very abstract. You kind of, you know, have to glean things from it glean lessons from it from Mm -hmm. these stories and in in many ways i think your life is is coming into a place where you create the cure of this book which is something that you can offer to other people much in the same way the bible is some a cure for people it is a way to connect with this completely other this completely beautiful other world and I think the cure is, given what you have shared with me about what's going on in your life right now, that that focus on the cure. That's it. Period. The cure being love. The cure being the way of seeing the world. The cure being everything that you just shared with me is your soul on a plate. <laughs> recorded. Yeah. and so, I always
0: do guts on the table mm-hmm. because it's honest. Yeah. And if I could be really honest, with no guile, pathos for everybody to see. Then they say, that's my life too. Oh, she is just like me. I'm hearing, I'm hearing what she's saying because it touched my life. Mm -hmm. Well, But we all have that. We all share. That's that life after death. And we all share that. And we're all here right now, this second, Sherry, I'm passing on something. You gave me Mm -hmm. something. And uh, so life goes on, and it can be beautiful when we choose to make it beautiful. Right. My doctor said, you have familial dystonia, you have diabetes, you had two heart attacks, you have high blood pressure, you have high cholesterol, and you have glaucoma in your eyes. And every one of those things, I took it in stride. Okay, this is what I have next. And every one of those things I had to fight, and I am good with the numbers and how I am now. And every doctor is amazed that I can be as good-natured and okay with it. It doesn't destroy me. Yesterday, I was with a doctor, brand-new doctor a GYN oncologist, and he was telling me all the terrible things that could happen with the cancer that I have. And so at one point he said, well, if I were to operate and get rid of the cancer, it's a lot more difficult than with chemo because I would have to cut you from the neck all the way down and take out everything. And again, there's all this. And I said, oh, you're going to cut me from my neck down. That means I can't ever wear a bikini. I was just a throwaway line. I was just And he goes, you have to be serious about this. This is really serious. And I'm like, wait a minute. minute. I am serious about this. And my kids were there. (laughs) We were like, and we all wanted to say, but her job is to be a comic. Her job Mm -hmm. is to make people feel good. Her job is I do uh, laughter is the best medicine for all these people who are suffering with physical disability, mental disability. This is what I do. And I don't want to be heavy about it because I could survive with every handicap, every crap that my body betrays me with. But I do it with comedy. Mm -hmm. And that's how I survive. And love. Okay. And love. But I survive because if I can lighten up the room and we can laugh, it's not as terrible. It's not that terrible. Because I remember when And every doctor thinks that I got to go to them because those... Look, I stopped collecting black pair of shoes. I now collect medical doctors in my old age. When I was young, I used to do drugs. Now in my old age, I do medication. Things have changed. But, you know, every doctor, and I have so many, has said, oh, no, I'm the doctor you got to see for this. This is the most important. Every doctor is the most important, but I can only do whatever hurts at that moment. And then that gets taken care of and next and next and next. And I don't know what the next thing is. You know, I made plans to do other things. And God said, Oh, you make those plans (laughs) and zap and something else. And my entire life is something else and something else. When I went to the doctor today, when I went to the hospital and I was registering, they, everybody seemed to know what was going on except me. But I was in a good mood. I know something is dire. And everybody said, oh, gosh, you are my favorite patient. Because everybody else is so wah, 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 wah. And they complain. And they're so mean to me. And I, I, I couldn't believe what they were saying. Because for me, how lucky am I? That I have my handicap and all the other uh, physical issues, you know, disabilities that I have right now. But I'm living in the New York City area, surrounded by doctors who can help me, who are the greatest cheerleaders I ever had in my life. I'm lucky. So if I have to have the next thing, and in this case, it's all this cancer that's in my body, okay. I'm gonna fight it, and I'm either gonna lose. Okay, so say I don't win that battle with cancer. I win because I end the race going to the other place. I win. It's both win. You see, I don't see it as one a terrible negative. It's what it is. I don't mean to be weepy about it because it's still new. And I just found out about it yesterday. And I got to feel sorry for myself for two minutes. You'll give me that two minutes. Of course. But then I'm going to deal with it because that's what I do with everything. Because mm-hmm. last month I, I fell and I broke my kneecap. But that didn't stop me from doing the mother dance, the mother-son dance at my son's wedding. Mm. And, of course, I did it to the very traditional wedding song Boogie Oogie Oogie. <laughs> which meant I had to do disco with a broken kneecap, but I also broke my right, um, it's the right kneecap broken, the right ankle broken, and the fourth right toe. And it's all this because of my disability, which is a part of me. That handicap is a part of me. Like I have black hair and Asian eyes and I'm pretty. That's all a part of me. Mm-hmm. And so whatever growth I have in my body with the cancer, that is a part of me. That's mine. I don't want it. It's not like I had a ghost of my children in my belly. That was good. Mm -hmm. I don't want this, but it is still mine. And so I'm just going to deal with it best I can. Mm -hmm. So my feeling is any outcome is great. And boy, am I lucky that I have such great cheerleaders around me who lift me up. See, Mm -hmm. listen, I'd rather be here than North Korea. I'm sorry, Kim Jong-un, but I'd rather be here. Uh, The reason, I mean, you look at my figure. I did not get my hips from celery. I love Dunkin' Donuts. And at least I have Dunkin' Donuts anytime I want. I will never be thin, but I look good. I'm pretty. Yes. And I got these big American breasts. I'm blessed. So, I mean, there, there are things that I have that nobody else has. And my life has been so spectacular. Look, I remember my son, in a fit of anger with me, said, you know, you only see things in black and white. I said, I don't see anything in black and white. I see everything in technicolor. And that is the truth. And I certainly don't see anything in gray. Everything is bright and shiny and interesting. Interesting. I think
1: that's what I saw in the reading was your way of seeing. See,
0: your My way, way of, of seeing, seeing is not like everybody's way mm-hmm. of seeing. This is... uh
1: That is you and it is the cure. And I think it's something that... It, it talked about sharing, sharing this transformation that you experienced with others yeah. so that they can be empowered as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So if I have to hear yesterday this supposedly dire news, which I don't take it as such, because I remember when my other doctor said, you have this, this, and that, and I cried, Esther. I cried because I didn't want you to have. I go, stop crying. Don't feel sorry for me. What are we going to do? I don't feel sorry for me. I remember my father, because he was always angry at me, he would say, oh, oh you are God's a mistake. I would say, what? wait a minute, God is perfect, God made me, so I'm perfect. Mm-hmm. And I kept telling him this. No, it's a Jesus that I like you. You know, you're going to born in the hell because you are the Jews. You, how you do that? And then I would say, but, you know, I'm happy. Can't you be happy for me because I'm happy? I cannot do door. Gee, not you know, I got to hear negativity from my own family. But, you know, it's what it is. It made me funny. Because mm-hmm. what's the point of crying about it and wailing about it? It turned that negativity around and make other people laugh because we all experience somebody treating us badly. Mm-hmm. Right? So you move on. I love your outlook. I love you. Oh, thank you. And what will you do? What will you do about it? Write a book? Yeah, you know, my manager. (laughs) Yesterday I found the news, and then I had to be funny someplace else. That was tough. Mm -hmm. I had to be charming and endearing. And then I told her the story. I said, you know, you're going to have to stop all these meetings with all these people. And uh, because I've got this situation. So she, she goes... Esther gotta write a book, because we gotta hear this. We gotta hear this story. So there was another woman who said, Esther, you gotta write a book. You need to, uh, so, all right. So if people want this book, maybe this is maybe you are the underscore. Write the freaking book already. What, it's I'm about the book. For- it's the book. <laughs> it's the book, and maybe the book is not the Bible, it is my I, book. Uh, yeah. And how I see things, and maybe somebody will learn and be happy. Just everybody be happy that's all I care. Esther, it is
1: just a privilege for me to hear everything that you shared and how much love and this, the way of seeing that you have with everything in your life. It's something that I think all of us need to put on that Technicolor glasses, see everything through the lens of comedy and and love. So much love for others and what they can what they can get out of it as well. How can other people get in touch with you or learn more about your work or get their hands on this future book that you're writing?
0: Oh, www.estergoodheart.com. All lowercase. I have an email, which is all lowercase orientalbeauty.com. Gotta add E.G. for Esther Goodhart, otherwise it's a porn site. <laughs> Dad's loved it, you know, when I taught him for school. Moms didn't like it.
1: I don't know like, why. Who are you emailing? <laughs> but here's my email
0: address: OrientalBeautyE.G. at Gmail dot com. That's it. Yeah. I'm not giving you my phone number. I'm so busy and popular, I can't talk to everybody. <laughs> oh wow! Well, now now your email address is out in the ethers now as there well. It is. It's in the universe. Okay.
1: Any final thoughts you'd like to share? One takeaway. Uh,
0: Thank you for having me on uh, because part of I think my treatment is coming here. (laughs) Listen, if I have to have bad news, this was a good time. Mm -hmm. And it's Friday, so I wish everybody Shabbat Shalom. (laughs) Love it, love it. I I have enough time to redress and go to temple, but... um, Uh, but no, really, I'm grateful I'm here, and if I had anything heavy on my mind, it's less because I'm here, so thanks a lot.
1: Beautiful. Thank you for being here, for being who you are, and for being the gift that keeps on giving. Ah, you're welcome, and thank you again. And for you, whatever is going on in your life, shift your way of seeing, put a lens of comedy laughter is always the best medicine and let me know how it goes i'm julie chan and until next time be on the lookout for all possibilities follow the show on twitter instagram and facebook at all possible show episodes are available on itunes google play and our website allpossibilitiesshow.com This show is produced by Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017, all rights reserved. No portion of the show may be distributed or published without the expressed written permission of the producers. Thank you for joining us.
0: This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.